Hello. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Welcome, yeah. everybody, to another VW review of Silicon Valley. Today, we're going to be talking about episode 33 or season 4-5, right? Is it? Oh, yeah, because I missed one. That's what it said on the internet. Yeah, you did miss one. Yeah. You're gone. So we probably lost a bunch of listeners. Well, and then, you know, we were a little delayed with this one. Yeah, but. we're going to apologize. We're, we're, we're behind a week, so we're going to get one out today and then another one tomorrow. That's the plan. Uh, but this is the Blood Boy. So for those of you listening to Blood Boy, the next one, which was customer service, was already out. But hopefully you'll find this one entertaining. Let's get into this, Aaron. Oh, check this out, Aaron. I brought paperwork. Oh, good. Show notes. Oh, good. Which means I just print it off. Yeah, yeah. Someone else's review. I mean, when we're when you're two weeks away or a week away from right. the last episode, you gotta you gotta make sure you uh, brush up on the facts. Okay, so episode thirty three, or it's the fifth episode of season four, is called "The Blood Boy," and the main topic, or one of the you know the big thread going through it, is this blood parabiosis that Gavin Belson is getting from this young stud Bryce. Apparently, this is a real thing. Do you know this, Aaron? Yeah, I do it on a weekly basis. <laughs> no, like I'm, I'm somebody's blood boy. I'd be curious to know whose blood boy you are, <laughs> what 90-year-old degenerate uh, is thinking that your blood is going to save him. I thought it was funny when Gavin said, uh, I might only live to 120, right. something like that. Yeah. But this blood parabiosis, which I just learned about this week, Peter Thiel does this. Uh, 40 In real life? Pop. In IRL? Real life. <laughs> In IRL. IRL, 40 grand a pop. He does it, I think I read a couple times a year or once a quarter. Uh, some 18-year-old wow. with good, fresh blood. So you've got Peter Gregory getting blood from Wonder Boy Bryce. Uh, they, uh, I liked when they were touring Peter Gregory's, the mother's garage. Gavin's yes. walking through Peter Gregory's and said, this is a spirit of innovation. There was a few coders. And then Gavin says there's some ramen. Why is ramen always associated with late night or programmers or pulling all-nighters it i don't know but it's man you talk about you know a college staple food or a programmer staple food and what was funny is that week that i was out that i couldn't be on the podcast i was over in asia and it was funny we were at the korean air lounge in the seoul airport sounds fancy it's very fancy and one of the things they had that you could get i think was ramen like it's just a, a cup of noodle. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, it, it's just it's prevalent not only here with coders and programmers and college students, but apparently business travelers across the world. When you were in college, did you eat a lot of ramen? No, I didn't either. I, now, I, I well, wanted to prepare myself to be a blood boy, so I couldn't be <laughs> pumping that junk into myself with all that uh, cholesterol or sodium in there. Ramen's delicious. The few times that I do eat it, I think there's a ramen place, kind of a hipster. Vietnamese. Yeah, no, there's definitely, I mean, ramen, I think, you know, the the common use of the term ramen gets uh, gets a bad name, but the the food group of ramen itself is actually a, a, a pretty popular dish uh, uh, in Asia. Let's do that. Let's go ahead and get some ramen. Okay. You and I. Sure. We'll uh, bill it to the do yeah. we have any revenues coming in from the podcast? Uh, I don't think we have any advertisers yet, but uh, we're, we're always open. we're always open to we're exploring open. that. I know one local founder that might want to advertise. 
advertised. Oh yeah. Yeah. We we can't mention it yet because he's not an advertiser. That's correct. But send us send us a note. We'll do it. Rates are very low, very competitive rates, advertising rates right now. All right, so let's move on through the episode. Aaron and I did discuss this. There wasn't a whole lot of real startup-ish stuff to discuss here. So I want to just focus more on what's going on in the episode, discuss some of the characters. There is something in customer service that I thought was really interesting from a startup attorney or a venture perspective, and I want to dive into that more when we record that one. All right, Aaron, so we've got – they go through Peter Gregory's mother's garage, which is just a garage inside of Gavin Dawson's huge garage. Uh, Then it flips over to – Lori Bream Garcia, she was pregnant, which is, was kind of thrust upon us, I think, right. last episode or this episode. And uh, and Monica's got this this conflict where she's figuring out, in Ehrlich's words, she's either got to bro down or she's going to risk getting kicked out when uh, Ed Chen takes over the spot. Uh, Arush was the name of the other partner that's coming back in and maybe you know angling for Lori's spot and he's going to move up Ed Chen. So Raviga is going to have this real bro culture. And I think Ed Chen, you know, when we first learned about Raviga, you had this real eclectic VC in, in Peter Gregory. Mm-hmm. And then once Peter dies, then uh, then Lori Bream takes over. And really the only other consistent character we're seeing out of Raviga is Monica. Right. right. So you right. had a couple of women who were very involved in making decisions for the VC. And now very quickly it's shifting to where – Oh, there's might be trouble at Raviga or Lori Bream's pregnant, so let's get Arush back in here, right? And Ed Chen is able to, in between, you know, snowboarding and skydiving, is able to get lucky with uh, seafood, and now he's shooting up the corporate ladder. And I'm just wondering if this is a commentary on Silicon. Well, I think I think that's part of it, and you know, you see it also in this in you know a couple of episodes previously where. They moved Monica's office to like right in front of the men's room. Like that's just that's like the ultimate sort of like here we don't care about you, so you're gonna have to look at in the men's room. The right, and time. if there's and if there's any sort of you know analogy that, that they're being made there, it's you have this Monica who seemed to be seems to be sharp. I think they said she went to Stanford, and her office is now looking at a bunch of dudes. You know what? Right. Yeah. I mean. Is that just coincidence or is that a pointed statement that the show is trying to make on the status of things in Silicon Valley? Very interesting. Curious to uh, to follow this trail. I also thought it was funny when Lori you know, says, pan face, first of all, it's her fourth child. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we're all thinking, okay, she's kind of awkward. Like, surely she's not married. And if she is married, then, you know, she doesn't have any kids. Um but apparently, if anything, you're thinking she's more like the um, what's a mayor from a Yahoo, right? Melissa Mayer, right? Who's taking her four month old to work right. and stuff like that. That's what Lori's gonna be. But no, she's got three kids at home, right. and who knows? Maybe Lori goes home at six o'clock every day and is the best mom ever. No reason why you can't do that. But I think it's interesting to see what's gonna happen there with Raviga. Uh, let's see here. Then you've got, and I might be flipping back a scene, but you've got the scene where when Gavin was doing the blood transfusion. The thing they're talking about was a stealth rollout versus a big rollout, right? Uh, Pied Pipers figured out that they need user space in order to do all their calculations and to crunch their data and to create this peer-to-peer internet. And so one idea they have is let's use our compression tool. Let's put it – let's get people to download on their phones. And then once they compress all their data, they'll have all this extra space on their phones. So then they can use that space to run run our peer-to-peer internet. 
So they need to either launch this in some big public manner and you can use Gal- Gavin's name and his kind of resource to do it or do a real stealth rollout. You go out through the developer commit, uh, community, you get your friends and family to do it, and you just try and be real undercover so that you don't have a bunch of people poking holes in your system, identifying bugs. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Yeah, you know, it, it is – it's interesting. I, I think being in Dallas, we're sort of in a unique position because I think – you know, the trend or the popular thing to do in California and the Bay Area is to do a big rollout, uh, you know, lots of flash, lots of, you know, just trying to get as much attention and media coverage as possible. Uh, I think in Dallas, and I don't know, if just this is just our, our nature is as good, wholesome Texans, but we don't like a lot of attention, it seems like. And so at least what I see generally in the startup community here is rollouts tend to be, tend to be on the stealth side. And, you know, we're going to slowly roll it out. We're going to make sure that we have the technology perfect. We're going to, you know, slowly trickle into the market. Yeah, I agree. I do feel that most of our clients do that. Sometimes just have necessity, right? They just don't have the resources, the connections. We don't have a lot of media publications. I mean, I, I think the Morning News and, and D Magazine and you know, uh, the Dallas Business Journal, now D Magazine's gotten into it. So they do a good job of covering it, but that's about it. And that's really at a real local level. And then Austin has their own thing going on. So one of the reasons might just be the, the resources or the, the inavailability of resources around here to do that. Um, I also think that that's just the culture here, right? That seems to work. You know, Aaron, this dovetails nicely with, I was listening to Jason Calcanis's, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, sure. I don't know him personally. I was listening to his podcast. I haven't, just, I haven't talked to him recently. Is this week in startups, and he was talking about low cash burn, how important low cash burn is for early stage companies, and how one of the things they look at when they go, he does a lot of later stage investing, is what, how long have they been able to, how much have they been able to accomplish with the cash that they've invested? And that's one thing that you know has, have started talking about tracking moving forward is when we get a company, if they get a seed stage valuation, you know, uh, excuse me, they raise a C stage round of, let's say, half a million dollars. And then their next stage, their A stage is at, let's say, $5 million. That means they're able to create $10 in value, right, for every for every dollar of investment that they took in, which I think is a really good, that would be a really good ratio. And that's something I want to track. But if you're keeping your burn really, really low, then it allows you to go out and create, va- create value. Well, you know what's not cheap is PR firms. You know, at a minimum, what I see here in Dallas, a decent PR firm that's going to willing to work with startups is going to charge you at least three grand, probably five grand a month, more recently 10 grand a month. And then if you want a good PR firm out of New York or San Francisco, you're looking at 30, 35 grand a month. So PR firms are very, very expensive to do these big, huge rollouts. So you got to really be sitting on a home run or have quite a few resources if you're going to do some sort of a, uh, some sort of a big rollout. The juxtaposition of Bryce sitting there giving Gavin advice on what to do with a rollout is, is fascinating because so here you've got Gavin, who for all we know is you know one of the leading, you know, one of the thought leaders in Silicon Valley, in our hypothetical Silicon Valley here. He's just unceremoniously been booted out of Cooley, but he's had, from what we can tell and from the toys in his garage, you know, immeasurable amounts of success. And he's taking advice from a 20-year-old college kid with no relevant experience to speak of. Well, and then as we find out later in the episode, he has a degree in CS. Right, right. So I think that just really shows you what they're trying to do with Gavin's character of how maybe he Devin doesn't have a whole lot of close friends or maybe he's distrusting of the people around him that he's taking advice. Or on the flip side, 
maybe Gavin is just really open to good input whenever he gets good input. And Bryce definitely didn't come across as the you know the ignorant surfer boy that I think Richard wanted to paint him as. Right. I know Richard got his two cents in when they visited Bryce's apartment later on in the episode. But I thought that was an interesting commentary on you know where where Gavin gets his input from. Yeah, and you know I, I, obviously the the main focus of the show is not Gavin, but um, you know it is interesting you know seeing him take this advice from the blood boy, uh, and we never really see Gavin you know with friends or advisors or you know other than the spiritual advisor and. Um, Jack Barker, who obviously he doesn't get along with, but you know, we, we never really, that's something that I would like to see more of is, you know, okay, outside of the people that you work with at Hooli, you know, who, who would he go talk to? You know, and with Jack Barker, they've at least humanized some because he did have that reference with another planet. He had to get back to see his wife and kids, right. right? So you know that Jack's getting to a family. With Hooli, you're right. I don't know what's going on. And, and or he's with Gavin. Gavin keeps destroying his house. You know, the people he's closest to are the movers who are constantly right. moving his the the artwork of his huge face um, around his house. You did have that great line where Jared calls Bryce a dick in, uh, <laughs> at the end of the scene when when the Blood Boy's leaving, and then and then Jared asks if if uh, he was scared. <laughs> Said, "I'm sorry if I frightened you." Right. Uh, yeah, Jared had some great quotes in this. He also had the quote at the end where he said that um, he once slept at the head of assisted living home to get Muriel moved up the wait list. <laughs> he said, "Am I proud of it? No. Do I regret it? No." Okay, so back then they go to Dinesh. Uh, you know, Dinesh is still reviewing p- dick pics for Periscope. Uh, he's very worried about Mia hacking him, and now he's at the situation where he's got he's been invited to uh, Mia's sister's wedding. Right, right, and we know what that the big deal of that is to go to a family wedding. So he's really freaking out about it. So what he does to get out of it is after Mia had reveals that she uh, hacked into the elevators at the uh, World Trade Center or Freedom Tower, I think it yeah. was. That uh, he, he calls the FBI on her and he ends up taking a well, uh, it was an anonymous tip, anonymous tip. That's right, that's right. And he ends up taking a, a punch to the face for it, but I think it worked out well. And that was a kind of a, a cop out way in my mind of reconciling the whole Dinesh situation, right? Right, well, I mean, how are we gonna get him off of Periscope? How are we gonna get him out of Mia? It moved a little too quickly, right? Who knows what they have coming up? I, I felt that. The episode that you, when you were gone was a real transition episode. This one still feels like a transition episode to me. There's not a whole lot happening. Um, I, I feel that they just kind of abruptly got rid of a few storylines. Mia, Gavin. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I, I was going to say, you know, having the uh, the ability to, to see what the next episode was, I I, I like – the direction they're sure. going, but yeah, it has, they have cut off some storylines pretty abruptly. Yeah. When you only have 10 episodes or however we're going to do, that was my text machine. So sorry about that. That's a deal, huh? Whenever it, um, yeah, just deals coming in, man, whenever you ever only have 10 or how many episodes are going to do 12 this season, obviously you have to get through things pretty quickly. This just didn't seem like a real smooth transition from Dinesh having a girlfriend, to Dinesh not having a girlfriend. I guess he's doing a, uh, stand-up routine on showtime or something oh is he yeah the characters <laughs> i can't remember his name but we need to check well that doesn't out. uh ehrlich ehrlich's doing one yeah. for sure i know he spoke i'm sorry he spoke dinesh the real guy's name spoke at the university of iowa connecticut oh okay. very funny yeah ehrlich's got a stand-up routine yeah his name is uh 
TJ something, I think. TJ Miller? Yeah, right. not TJ Ford. That's what I was going to say. No, TJ Ford is the old UT great. All right, so that reconciles the, the, the Neshmia issue. Then Monica's trying to score some pot for Ed Chen. Uh, Ehrlich, we had the funny scene where Ehrlich's running through all his different pot names, the Barbara Bush, you know, and the George Bush. And, uh, but she's trying to get pot because she's trying to get behind the right horse, right? And this whole Lori versus uh, Roosh and Ed battle setting up. Uh, I can't remember if she ended up getting pot from him, but she ends up not needing it because it looks like her and Lori are going to be friends. Let's see. Oh, so let's talk about the scene with Bryce where Bryce is writing the, the tell-all. So Richard goes to Bryce's apartment. And Bryce has what seems to be a whole kind of uh, organic grocer bag. Then Richard goes back to his own house and learns from Ehrlich that that organic grocer is really a uh, marijuana dispensary. So he goes back to Bryce and kind of lays into Bryce and goes through his cabinets and sees that Bryce is really eating what you would expect a 20-year-old kid to be eating. But then you get this kind of you know bully-turned-being-the-bullied flipped when uh you know richard it looks like he's gonna be the bully and then bryce just says hey i'm just a guy too right i'm sorry i'm just such a good looking guy but i want to be a coder too right yeah no and that's when we find out that uh a degree in cs is not actually a degree in computer science but a degree in calisthenics yeah, sciences or yeah, studies exactly. or something uh there was a line i thought i'd written it down but you know richard goes on this thing that says Leave this stuff for geeks, right? You know, this, if you guys get everything else, leave this stuff for us. So Bryce, Bryce has been lying to Gavin about what he's putting in his body. And this is what sets off Gavin, right? right. Not the failures at Hooli, not the phone that doesn't work, not the having to switch to the box, uh, not getting ousted, not killing the animals, right? He had that issue, the episode where he's kill, killed a few animals using his props during his board meetings. Not getting ousted by Jack Barker, his life is in complete shambles, and now he finally decides that he has to go on his, uh, on some sort of, uh, you know, a spiritual journey, a vision quest, if a you vision will. quest, yeah, because, because of Bryce. Bryce. I think, I think, really, what that is is just sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. I think all of those things that you've just listed were just starting to weigh and weigh and weigh, and finally. He finds out that even his own blood boys, you know, been lying to him and is now going to go write a tell-all. And uh, I think that's just, you know, what what causes him to to lose it. So who knows if Gavin's going to – you know, they, they left it open-ended, right? Gavin could come back because when he told Richard he was leaving, Richard says, what, for a weekend? Right? Yeah. For, for, for a month? So who knows if Gavin is moving to another show or if Gavin's going to be back in well, and I, I liked the uh, the discussion about the NDA. You know, you didn't have him sign an NDA, and Gavin's response was, "Yeah, but if I go after him with that NDA, then I'm basically just admitting everything." Right. right. So that's and that's you know that's I think a, a good practical uh, legal takeaway from this, which is yeah, you can have an NDA, you can have a, a perfectly buttoned up NDA, and have the other people sign it. Um, you know, whether or not you want to go through um, the process of enforcing that NDA is a whole nother matter. When you get to the level that these guys are playing at, and you know, and this does happen sometimes here with, with our clients, there's other consequences other than just leaving, right? There's PR consequences, and you have to figure out what those are. There's how it affects your business internally. What do your employees think if you're 
caught in some sort of a he said she said battle, you know, in the press or whatnot. And the way they've definitely played this up, there is going to be press involved, you know, if, if these guys get into uh, some sort of a dispute over what was said or what was done. So yeah, I, I agree with Aaron. You know, having an NDA in place can't just be the only consideration. Okay, let's see. Uh, the last thing I just wanted to wrap up with is they get Dinesh back to the company, right? So Dinesh quits Pied Piper because he's broken up with Mia. Uh, or I don't say he's broken up with Mia, but she's going to be in jail now. And he's not left Pied Piper. He's quit uh, Periscope. And so now he's back on the team. They've kind of got everyone reunited. Um, you know, Jin Yang is still hanging out in the house. But it, it, I feel like the transition is done. Like you mentioned, we've seen the next episode. So they took two episodes episode four and five to really transition to having the team back. Gavin's gone. They've got the patent. They've got the rights to do it. Uh, you know, now they're going to have to go out and either they still got to do this rollout and then they're going to they're going to start raising money. Yeah. At some point. The other thing I think they just sort of glossed over in this episode is uh, transferring that patent from Richard yeah. to Richard. Right. Uh, you know, I think there'd be a little more uh, papering that. Than yeah. That was a pretty monumental event that he could assign it to him, but he could do that, and then you just go file a USPTO to right. put it on their records. Yeah. You know, generally, patents are in an individual's name, right? not in a company's name. And I think Gavin had filed that patent a long time ago, so it was definitely reasonable that he could do that. But, yeah, not a whole lot of just pure out legal issues for us to discuss. So I, I think the next episode has a few more with that. Any closing thoughts here, Aaron? None. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. We will have episode six of season four customer service up very soon again this is kevin vela and aaron turway for vela wood check us out at velawoodlaw.com or follow us on twitter at vela wood same thing on instagram at vela wood and then finally if you have any thoughts comments feedback on the podcast you can email us at podcasts at velawoodlaw.com that's all for now thanks see you